praise forever to the King of Kings. Let's talk to him right now together, church. Our Father in heaven, we recognize that you are the King of all creation. Your son Jesus is declared to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. <laughs> I was standing just in front of the White House yesterday. I'm so grateful that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords reigns from heaven. We bow before him today. Thank you so much that uh, you are a mighty God, that we get to praise your name today, that we are your people who have been set free by the blood of the Lamb, who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So we've gathered together today. I thank you so much that the fellowship of warm hugs is has warmed our hearts today, even on a chilly day. We thank you for that. We've sung praises to your name. We've prayed and called upon your name. And now we want to hear your voice from Holy Scripture today. And, and as we hear your voice, would you open our eyes and open our ears and our hearts that we may behold wonderful things out of your word today. We ask all this in the name of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who is Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. I invite you to open in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And at the, uh, at the end of our service here today, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper together. And so if you didn't receive the communion elements there on the table to your right, don't be embarrassed right now. Feel free. You can stand up and go grab some of those elements now and be prepared uh, when we get to take that together here in just a little bit. Okay? Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, I invite you to follow along in your Bibles or on the screen as I read aloud. It says this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, <clears throat> while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, being Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. I have a bit of news I want to share with you today. I am not a fisherman. I'm not a fisherman. I, yeah, thank you. I am not a fisherman. I enjoy eating fish. I enjoy celebrating other people when they catch fish. I am not a fisherman. I've got friends who fish. How many of you like to fish? You like to fish? I don't understand it. I don't get you. You love to get up early, early, early in the morning and get all this gear together and then walk a long, long distance before the sun even comes up and stand out in the cold and cast an invisible line into water. And you stand there or in a boat for hours and hours and hours waiting for a fish to bite. I am not... A fisherman. Uh, a few years back, uh, in our church in California, my sons and I, we would go on an annual trip every summer, a father and son camping trip, and I, I had a ball. It was so much fun. 
But I, I tell you, some of the guys, they would be like, oh, Matt, you're going to come out and go fishing with us. No. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. But I felt so bad because what kind of dad doesn't take his boys fishing, right? Or kids. You girls can go fishing too, by the way, right? All right, okay, here we go. Any females out there like to fish, right? All right, so, I, but I was with my sons and I thought, I just, I got to take my sons fishing. So I took them out there and, you know, we put some bait on a hook and, you know, I kind of taught them what I knew and we watched some of the other guys, you know, casting lines out there. So I want to say for a few hours we, we were casting, but we weren't fishing because we didn't actually catch anything. But we, we had a, a good time nonetheless. But, but, you know, I could get the sense with these guys that we went on this trip with, they lived it. They breathed it. They loved it. And they would share stories about these fish that, you know, one year they would describe the fish being this big. And then the next year they'd share it with another group of people and the fish got this big, right? And, and they love to fish. People love to fish. They feel at home fishing. They feel alive being outdoors with their feet in the water or in a boat fishing. Uh, my uncle David, who actually lives here in Virginia, he loves fishing so much he makes his own lures and he, and he sells them. Uh, I like to hike. Some like to, love to hike. They live to hike. I like to hike. <laughs> I tolerate camping. I'll even go fishing with you. Please don't know this. If you want to invite me fishing, I'd be happy to go with you once. Um, some love to camp. They feel alive when they're camping, when they're hiking. But I am not a fisherman. We saw today in our passage, Jesus finds some men who are fishermen. And we're in our series right now uh, called Hoosier One, reaching the lost one person at a time, reaching the lost. Uh, as you heard from Adrian today, and I'm so thankful we got to pray through the day 19, pick up your copy. It's right out in the lobby, right out the door as you came in. Uh, pick up your copy. It's not too late to join us. You could start on day one from the beginning if you want. You could join us tomorrow or today. Today's day 19, tomorrow's day 20. Just figure out what day of the month it is. That's what day we're on together. But you could start wherever you want. And guess what? I invite you. After you're done going through this, this cycle, we've got more. You could start all over again. Put a fresh name in. We want to keep praying for ones because we believe, as Matt Rumbaugh said earlier in our announcements, God loves to throw parties when lost ones come home. He loves to throw parties when lost ones come home death becomes life. And so we've been talking over the last few weeks about reaching our one with the good news about Jesus. And, and this is our big idea this morning from our text. It's this. Reaching one is more than a job. It's a calling. Reaching one is more than a job. It's a calling. You don't want to have the attitude that I have. Yeah, fishing, it's all right. You want to be like the people that look at it and say, I live for this. I love this. I feel called to it. I feel a, alive in this. Because reaching one is more than a job. It's a calling. We'll see three things this morning. The first thing we see from this text is that Jesus sees beyond our occupation to our vocation. Jesus sees beyond our occupation to our vocation. Again, take a look at it with me again. Verses 18 and 21 of our text. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Well, what did Jesus see? What did he see? Did he see great public speakers? Did he see great leaders? No, he saw a couple of guys casting a net into the sea. Well, why were they doing that? Because their occupation 
is that they were fishermen. And in verse 21, we see something else. Jesus also sees another, two, uh, another set of brothers, two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, because as Simon and Andrew were, these two men, these two brothers were fishermen. What does Jesus see? Jesus sees fishermen. This was their job. Both sets of brothers are doing things related to the fishing industry, casting a net into the sea, in their boat, mending their nets. Now, during New Testament times, commercial fishing businesses, they were conducted in the Sea of Galilee. By the way, it's a lake. If you've ever been there, it's just a big, big lake. But at that time, it's also called the Sea of Galilee. And they were organized into groups, and it's likely that James and John and Peter and Andrew are there, and they're, they're kind of like as a group in their own separate boats, but they, they work together in kind of a fishing guild. But fishermen, they were hard workers. They were crude in manner, rough in speech, and in their treatment of others, and that's not a, con a comment on any of you that are fishermen here today, right? Uh, fishermen owned their ships, they took in hired people into their service, and they sometimes joined to form companies. But, but Jesus sees men doing work as fishermen. Consider their way of life for a moment. Early mornings, late nights. We see in the Gospels another time, Peter says, Lord, we've been fishing all night. Jesus approaches them in the morning and and we see another instance of a miracle that Jesus does for, for Peter, but, but they were fishing all night, long, hard hours. And the type of fishing they did with nets often would require them to actually get into the water, not just casting a line, but casting nets and getting down into the water and help gathering up these nets of fish. These guys were likely smelly, <laughs> rough. You know, if they formed teams together, these teams likely became competitive too. How much fish can we bring in to sell at the market so that we could have a better income? Consider these guys, rough, competitive fishermen, hardly scholars, and certainly not seminarians. These were everyday guys going about their business of fishing. But Jesus called them right where he found them. They likely had some training as, as young boys in the scriptures and in the law, but these guys were not scholars or teachers. They were common folk with common jobs. Jesus saw fishermen. He saw their occupation, but he called them to a vocation. He called them to be fishers of men. He called them to that. He called them to join him in proclaiming the arrival of God's kingdom. We see it right in the verse prior. What was Jesus doing calling them before he called them? If you want to look at your Bibles with me, it's not on the screen, but, but you could see what Jesus was doing and what he was beginning to do in his Galilean ministry in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says, from that time, Jesus began to proclaim to herald, to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in that, that moment, proclaiming this message, Jesus finds them, and he calls them right where he found them. These guys weren't trained, but they were called. Common folks with common jobs. He called them to proclaim with him the arrival of God's kingdom. Their occupation and their background did not preclude them or keep them from joining Jesus on his mission. Consider the backgrounds for a moment of, of all the apostles, if you know some of some of the history here in the Gospels about Jesus and his followers. Peter, 
Andrew, James, and John we saw this morning, they're fishermen. Fishermen. Matthew, he was a tax collector working for the Roman government, and these tax collectors were often hated by the Jews. This was his background. Thomas became known as a doubter, who was someone who would often question things and not quite see things in a way of faith. Simon, uh, the other Simon, he was one of the zealots. He was a freedom fighter and rebel against Rome. See, these guys didn't have elite backgrounds to prepare them to be called to the work of proclaiming the good news of Jesus, to be fishers of men. Jesus called these men, these fishermen, right where he found them. Friends, personal backgrounds are no barriers for the call of Jesus. He turns fishermen into fishers of men. Now, the gospel writer Matthew, he likely wrote this around the mid-60s A.D., which which would be 30 years or more after the events recorded here. By this time, Peter and Andrew and James and John, they would have been well known amongst the churches to whom Matthew was writing. In fact, according to Acts chapter 12, one of these four men that we see right here in this text this morning, James, had been killed in service to Jesus. For his readers... These men weren't known as fishermen. No, they were known as apostles, as evangelists, as leaders in the church. And Matthew is getting at something here for us this morning. You see, these guys now, you see these guys now as the great apostles, as the, as the great leaders, as Matthew is writing to his audience. But do you know what Jesus saw when he found them? He didn't see the leaders that, that the audience would have seen today. And as you may have known about these apostles, as we've read about them in the book of Acts, no, when Jesus found them, he found them as fishermen fishing in the Sea of Galilee. He wants us to see that following Jesus and reaching people with the gospel, it doesn't require an elite upbringing or an elite educated background. All it takes is the calling of the Savior. The Savior finds us wherever our backgrounds are, and he says, come with me, follow me. I'm going to turn you into a fisher of people. Consider your occupation today. Think about your education. Now, I know many of us here in Northern Virginia, many of you are very educated, have amazing occupations, but it may not be theological training. It may not be training in evangelism, but God is still calling you right where he has found you your education, your life, your background, your history. It doesn't have to do with where you've come from. It comes from the one who is calling you, Jesus, our Savior. You may feel held back from having an eternal impact on the lives of people. There's a myriad of reasons. Maybe it's your age. Maybe you're too young. Maybe you feel too old. Maybe it's your upbringing, your past You know, some of us have hard, hard things in our past. Think about Matthew, the tax collector, one of the most sinful and hated people. Yet Jesus called him, called him. What about your your first language? If you live here in the the United States and English wasn't your first language, maybe you feel like that, that language barrier, that accent is a barrier to you living according to the call of Jesus. You may feel held back by your occupation, thinking that it has little to do with God's kingdom. Friend, Jesus sees you right where you are, and he calls you. Yeah, you and me, he calls us. 
Our responsibility to enter into the conversations with our ones, it isn't tied to what we see with our physical eyes. It's connected to the one who called us. He called us. He's given us a new vocation. He sees past our occupation, and he calls us to reach one. Don't let your fears, your doubts, your insecurities hold you back. Friends, together, we're called by Jesus to step up, to reach out, because, we, because we've been called to follow Jesus right where he found us. Some of you know my story a little bit. Uh, I've been in uh, uh, occupational ministry as a paid uh, leader in the church and pastor for about uh, eight years now. Eight years, and before that I had several jobs, but the job I had right before I entered into full-time ministry was that I was in the business of selling toilets. I was a toilet salesman, right? And by the way, I want you to know, they weren't used toilets, they were brand new. Because I don't know anybody that could sell used toilets, right? Uh, But yeah, I worked for a plumbing wholesaler, and we provided uh, plumbing equipment, and it was a great company to work for. Plumbing equipment for all kinds of commercial jobs all over uh, Northern California. And, uh, you know, there was a time where I felt like, God, how could you use me? I'm sitting here, and I'm learning about and thinking about and typing about and sending off quotes to sell toilets. How could you use me, God? But then I, I started to learn that, that God looks past our occupation, and he sees a vocation, a calling. I realized that, I begun to realize that God was honored in the work, but I, I knew my calling wasn't just to toilets. It was called the people, the people that I worked with, the people that I served, the people that I encountered, even the rough plumbers that would come in with all kinds of new colorful words that I got to learn. It was really quite amazing, but right where I was, I was called to do good work in the name of Jesus and earn a living, yes, but that wasn't the end. The glory and fame of Jesus in my work and before others, that was my calling. God used me in just little ways, friends. Please don't, don't know this. I didn't start a revival at the, at the place I worked, but just little encounters, little conversations. And I was so discouraged early, but I learned from those that learned to live beyond their occupation and learned to live in their vocation from Jesus to call to be fishers of people. Fishers of people. That's what we're called to do because reaching our one is more than a job. It's a calling. Don't let your background, don't let your occupation hold you back. No, it's actually to be the means through which Jesus is asking you to answer his call in your life to be a fisher of people right where you're at. Jesus sees beyond our occupation to our vocation. So what is the calling? I've alluded to it already a little bit. What is the vocation? We see it right there in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus says to Simon, who is also called Peter, and to Andrew, and we see this is the content likely of the call also to James and John. This is it. Here's the vocation. Here's the call. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. This was the the key to the entire calling. It was a call to follow Jesus, to learn from Jesus, to live with Jesus, to, to listen to him, and to obey Jesus, 
to follow the example of Jesus, to watch Christ's life and to make his life their own life. This was the simple invitation of what we call discipleship. And it's really basic, friends. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. Now, if you've been around Fairfax Bible Church for a little bit, you know that we have six pursuits. One of those pursuits is this, purposeful disciple making. Purposeful disciple making. Now, that's kind of a mouthful, but it's intentional, right? We want to be purposeful, even methodical about making disciples, which is just simply followers of Jesus. That's who we follow. We don't, we don't follow the pastor. We don't follow the elders. We don't follow small group leaders. No, we follow Jesus. Now, I hope you see Jesus in the lives of the leaders of our church. But know that we're not, as leaders, asking you to become many versions of ourselves. Little mini men and women following men and women who are, are becoming just like them. No. As godly as the leaders may be, we're called to follow Jesus together. I don't want you to become Matthew Nicosia because I want most of you to keep your hair. But, but I, I do want you to become like Jesus. This is what purposeful disciple making is all about. We learn from Jesus and we teach one another how to follow him faithfully. Jesus says, Follow me. Follow me. It's at the core of the vocation. Following Jesus. But then something necessarily is tied to this call, this vocation to follow. What does it mean then to follow Jesus? Jesus makes it really clear. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What, is, what does Jesus mean by this? Of course, is he, is he saying, I want you to go out in there and throw a net on a group of people that are having coffee together and drag them away? Of course not. He's got a spiritual metaphor here of what's going on. Jesus means this, just as fishermen intentionally, thoughtfully, strategically, patiently, and even sacrificially, even as they do this to pursue fish in the sea to catch them, so also Jesus was calling his disciples to fish for people. He's calling these men to follow him as he calls people to turn from the deep waters of sin and death and to come out to receive forgiveness, to receive life, to receive entrance into the eternal kingdom of Jesus. You know, whereas earthly fishing is catching fish to die and to be eaten, Jesus is calling his followers to catch people for life. It was a call to say, I want you to go after, pursue people so that they could come into not death, but eternal life. Now, these guys would have known what Jesus meant by this. This wasn't an easy call. Fishing was hard business. They had to know where and when to fish. Several times in the Gospels, these experienced fishermen went out all night using all their knowledge and all their skills and came away with nothing. The type of fishing they did with casting nets, it, again, as we just mentioned before, they'd have to jump in, get all the way in, all the way in, all the way up to the tops of their heads to get in, to get those fish out of the water. It was hard work that required attention, patience, and sacrifice. And Jesus was calling his disciples Nothing less. In pursuing people, followers of Jesus, you, me, 
Simon and Andrew and James and John, all followers of Jesus are called to that hard work. We're called to pay close attention in pursuing and fishing for people. This takes great, great patience. It takes a willingness to to give ourselves as followers in sacrifice so that, as Paul said, we may win some to win our ones. We've got to become fishers of people. Friends, you may come here to Fairfax Bible Church and there's all kinds of good causes that we want to be about. But fundamentally, our mission is this. Our mission is people. People. Seeing Jesus give his life-transforming power in the lives of people, of our ones. You and I, we've been called to reach the people in our life in the name of Jesus. As we follow Jesus, he turns us into fishers of people. It's not an option because it's not a job that you chose. You've been called to this great and glorious and hard and challenging and patience-inducing and fear-sometimes-initiating task of going after people. It's not your job. It's not something that you could just say, I'm giving my two weeks notice, Jesus. I'm done with this. I'm moving on to another job. No, it's your calling. It's our calling. You've been called to this by the Lord and Savior, the King of the universe, if you are a follower of Him today. This is one of the vital works that He does in our lives. You see, this isn't something where we make ourselves fishers of people. Jesus says this, no, I will make you fishers of people. It's what He does as He changes us and transforms us through His Word, through prayer, through fellowship. As we become more like Jesus, the more and more we become a fisher of people just like Him. Therefore, the reverse is true. The reverse is true. If you aren't fishing, you aren't following. If you aren't fishing for people, you aren't following Jesus. Because the command, the vocation, the call is this. Follow me, and Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. If you've not stepped up to accept your calling as a fisher of people, then you can't say that you're presently and faithfully following Jesus. This is a deep and significant challenge. I think we need to hear it today. We need to hear the call of Jesus today. Come and follow me. Be a fisher of people. The great English preacher of the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon, said this on on this verse, how to become fishers of men. He said this to his audience, be following Christ with that intent and that aim, being a fisher of men. Fear that you are not perfectly following him unless in some degree he is making use of you to be fishers of men. The fact is that every one of us must take to the business of a man catcher and woman catcher and child catcher, right? If Christ has caught us, we must catch others. If we've been apprehended of him, we must be his constables to apprehend rebels for him, let us ask him to give us grace to go a-fishing. And so to cast our nets that we may take a great multitude of fishes. Oh, that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, may raise up from among us some master fishers who shall sail their boats in many a sea and surround great shoals of fish. 
That is my prayer today. I hope it's your prayer today. Lord Jesus, make us fishers of people as we follow you. And oh, that we would find that there are many master fishers here in this place. Some of us may be more skilled and more gifted to reach others. It doesn't matter. We're all called to it. Oh, that the Lord would raise up fishers of people in our church. And I believe he's done that. Because I see followers of Jesus here. I see them sitting in these seats right now. Followers of Jesus who therefore are fishers for Jesus. We're called to this. It is our calling in honoring Jesus. And it's a hard task. It's a big task. It's, it's bigger than anything that I can do by myself or that you could do by yourself. That's, that's why we're each starting with just one. Just one. We can't catch two or three or four fish until we start with one fish. We're not asking you to just get a big net and just bring in a hundred fish right into church next week, right? We'll fill out the rest of these seats. And we're just asking you, each of us, to get one. Just one. Start praying for one. To start a fishing, as Charles Spurgeon said. I hope you're praying for your ones. Oh, that we would answer the call of our Master and Lord who calls us to go a-fishing with patience, with intention, with resolve, and with sacrifice. For those of you that know about fishing, and even if you don't, if you're like me, you know, you know enough, right? Consider what it takes to catch a fish. The lure, the bait, the patience, the sacrifices of early mornings. Fish aren't just going to jump into the boat, right? They're just not going to just leap onto the shore. I guess some of them do, but that's weird, right? But they're not just going to do that naturally. We've got to pursue the catch. We've got to pursue the fish. We've got to pursue the people that Jesus has called us to in our lives with love and care and grace and compassion and patience. Because reaching one is more than a job, friends. It's a calling. And Jesus makes people our calling. That is what we're called to as his followers. And that call requires sacrifice. The third thing we see in our text here this morning is that Jesus leads us in leaving to pursue our calling. He leads us in the leaving to pursue our call. Again, verses 20 and 22, it says this, Immediately they, and that's Simon and Andrew, they left their nets and followed him. And in verse 22, we see the same thing of James and John. Immediately, they left the boat and their father Zebedee and followed him. Immediately, immediately, right away they left. You see, following Jesus always requires a leaving of some sort. And it may be different for all of us. It was different for James and John and, and, and Simon and Andrew. It was different for Matthew and it was different for Simon the Zealot. It was different for all of Jesus' disciples. But there is one common denominator. Jesus, as he calls us, he's asking us to leave something of some sort. Since his disciples were called to follow him, if he left, they left with him. If he got up, they got up with him. If they, he lied down, they lied down with him. His life became their lives. He called the shots of where they would go and when so that they had to immediately leave what they were doing and who they were doing it with to follow him. These disciples were called just as we were, as we are. Yet they also had a special calling, right? 
Uh, they were called to be Jesus' chosen 12 apostles. He called them not only to make their, their following their vocation, but also their occupation. And that's certainly true for some of us today. God calls pastors and teachers and missionaries full-time in his name to, to do his work that combines calling and occupation together. However, however, the call to follow is the same for those who earn a living in service to Jesus or not. Jesus, you see, he told his disciples later on after he had died and rose from the, from the dead, he, he told them at the end of, of this gospel, Matthew, he said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Everybody is called to leave something and be a follower of me. And that may look different for everyone, but it all includes leaving and following. Not all the disciples after that would, be, uh, would make uh, their, their jobs following Jesus as their occupation to learn a living and their vocation. In fact, the New Testament shows us that discipleship, following Jesus, is actually realized in and through the work we do. So not all are called necessarily to leave our homes and jobs and families. These men were to follow Jesus in the same way. We're not called to that, but we're all called to follow him as he leads. Friends, I want to tell you today, following Jesus is a call to leave something to follow him. You know, I, I love the, the analogy. One of my, my friends, my close friend, pastor friends in, in the West Coast, he says this. It's, it's kind of like you don't know that you're really following him until he takes a direction you don't want to go. You know, some of us, we follow each other if we're going somewhere we don't know in cars, right? And I, I know I'm following somebody, but actually I'm just sitting in traffic if I'm on the freeway until I know when that person turns a blinker on and they're getting off on the exit that I wasn't anticipating getting off on, I have a choice. Am I getting off on this exit or am I continuing straight on? Friends, there's going to be moments in our lives where Jesus turns on the blinker and we're not quite ready for it. He calls us to leave what we know and follow him. And that may look different for us, but the call, the vocation is all the same. We're called to follow Jesus. We're called to follow him. So what did it cost these disciples? And, more personally, what will it cost me? What will it cost you? A little later on, Peter actually brings this up. And I think he's referring back to this very moment right here. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 27 and 29, they're having a conversation with Jesus. And, and Peter said something about what Jesus said. He said, Jesus said, you know, it's tough for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were all kind of surprised by this, right? And Peter said this to Jesus, see, Lord, we've left everything. Think of this. We left our nets. We left our business. We left our boats. James and John are saying, hey, I, I left my dad back there. Right? They had family, friends, they had occupations, they had hopes and dreams and goals. They said, we've left everything to follow you, Lord. What then will we get in return for this? That's a big sacrifice. What will we have then if we're not promised riches, right? What will we get? What does Jesus say to them? What does he say? Oh, I've got a great retirement plan for you. Don't worry. I've been setting money aside in a 401k for you. Don't worry. It's coming. No. He says this, Jesus said to them, verse 28, John, uh, excuse me, Matthew 19, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who follow me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone, that's you and me, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or land, 
for my name's sake, because you're following me, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Friends, leaving is costly. Make no mistake about it. To answer the call to be a follower of Jesus and to be fishers of people, he will lead us into places that may make us uncomfortable. It may cost us our dreams and hopes in this world. It may cost us promotions and career goals. It may cost us relationships and vacations and early retirements and warm climates. But friends, it's our calling. And while Jesus doesn't promise ease and comfort in this life, he promises this eternal rewards of his inheritance in this life and in the next. And what is that reward? What is our reward for following Jesus and being a fisher of people? It's people. It's family. It's connection to Jesus and connection to one another. It's people. It's spiritual brothers. It's spiritual sisters. It's spiritual fathers. It's spiritual mothers. And spiritual children, a hundredfold in this life and in eternal life in the next. Our inheritance for being fishers of people is this. It's family. It's family. It's God's eternal, beautiful, glorious family. It's his glory revealed in transferring lost and hopeless sinners from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We will never, ever, ever be effective followers and fishers for Jesus until we catch his heart for people. For people. Jesus leads us in that leading to that call. That's what caused Jesus to leave. And that's what he's giving to us as the motivation to leave and to follow him. He said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of people. And these guys said, I'm ready to go. Let's go. I'll leave. I'll follow you. I'll make people my mission. Leaving's hard. Leaving is really, really hard. Many of you already know this. You've left your place of, of origin to move across the country. Some of you have left place of origin to move across the world, right? Leaving's hard. Several weeks ago, we looked at a, a missionary who, who left his home in the land of England to go to China. Hudson Taylor, he left in obedience to Jesus to pursue something, but, but he wasn't pursuing comfort or fame or riches or delicious Chinese food, though I'm sure he got to eat that as well, right? He left in obedience to Jesus to pursue people. You felt that. Some of you are getting ready to leave here very, very soon. Leaving to answer the call of Jesus. And it's so hard to say goodbye but if it's for the sake of Jesus, what a glorious inheritance it is. Jesus has given us his inheritance. People. You see, this is what it looks like to be Christ-centered. We, we use that term from time to time, right? Christ-centered. This is what it looks like. We want to be a Christ-centered, focused on him. To be Christ-centered is to be willing to leave in the pursuit of people. We are a people who leave our earthly, self-centered desires as a sacrifice on the altar of our lives to follow Jesus and pursue people with him. Christ be magnified in me, we sang earlier. Well, the way we do that is that we follow him in leaving to love and pursue our ones, to pursue people, to find them as our treasure. But is Jesus asking us to do the impossible? No, he's asking us to do in a much smaller way what he's already done infinitely for us. 
You see, Philippians chapter 2 says this, that Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, taking the form of a fisherman servant. I'm reading that in there, I, I, I admit it, right? Being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He left his glorious, comfortable throne in heaven because he said, my treasure is people, and I'm willing to leave the beautiful confines of heaven to take on human flesh, to come down and dwell among them, to get down deep into the water, to cast that net because I want people in my kingdom. See, friends, what Jesus is calling to, this vocation is not a vocation that he hasn't already answered himself. He has left and he calls us to leave because he's calling us to follow him and to be a fisher of people just like he did. He left his glorious throne in heaven to become one of us. He left because he was called. And so we are called. Will you answer the call today, friend? Will you follow Jesus today? All we're asking you to do right now is pray for one. Start a conversation with one. Love one. Go fishing for one. I hope you will. It's not a job. It's a calling. And if you aren't fishing, you probably aren't following. Oh, that today we'd be a repentant people that would say, Lord, forget about all this stuff. I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow him to make people my treasure. There may be some of you here today that are not yet following Jesus. And you know what? Frankly, this stuff annoys you. <laughs> right? I get annoyed with Christians who are constantly in my life who want to talk about Jesus. I feel like they're always wanting to talk about Jesus, to get to persuade me to follow Jesus. It gets annoying. I want to tell you, friend, today, you know why they do that? It's because they love you. They love you. They lo if they didn't talk about Jesus, that wouldn't be any love toward you, but they want to talk about him because they love you. It's because they've been caught by Jesus, who went fishing for them so that they could have life. And they want you to know him today, friends. That's why we're here. That's why we ask. That's why we persuade. We're, we're not asking you to get on some membership role and start donating. No, we want you to know Jesus. Because he loved you. And we loved you. We love you. And he fished for you and he's called us to fish for you. That friend that you may be sitting with today, they want you to follow Jesus and receive eternal life. They want you to know the joy of leaving behind your self-centered life to, to center your life on Jesus. Go fishing for people yourself. It's the most thrilling, exhilarating, amazing, and sometimes frustrating endeavor in all the universe. But you know what? It brings joy because I know I'm following Jesus. And his inheritance is my inheritance. Reaching one is more than a job. It's a calling. As we close and as we prepare for communion, I want to ask, what does this mean for Monday? We have six pursuits at Fairfax Bible Church. One, one of them is courageous evangelism. This pursuit reflects the way we describe our call from Jesus, to be fishers of people. These pursuits, they're just merely words on a page, a website, or on a wall or something, if they don't represent a call. It's a calling to us, a call from Jesus to us to leave our comforts and dreams and goals and to find our joy and purpose in fishing for people. This takes time. It takes sacrifice. It 
takes focus and endurance, but it's the path our Savior is leading us on as a church. If you've been praying for your one, start asking the Lord to show you how you can fish for that one. Easter Sunday is just three weeks away. Friends, I want to start asking you right now. Next week, we're going to give you uh, something that you could take in your hands as just a personal invitation to invite somebody. Why don't you join us for Easter? I mean, it's all about Jesus. Why don't you just come and hear about Jesus? Hear about him. I promise you, the, the message we preach that Sunday, it won't be long, I promise. But we want to make sure they hear the good news of Jesus. Just use that as an opportunity. Invite them over to your house afterwards for a meal. Start fishing for people. Now is a great opportunity, a great season to do that. Invite, love, and talk about our Savior who left it all to go fishing for people and calls us to a great vocation. Beyond our occupation, he calls us to reach our ones and call them 